Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to my sermon podcast. It's good to be back with you again. I feel like it's been a couple, three weeks. And so I'm back to actually recording in uh, my little studio here in my home. Today uh, is, or the day I'll preach this will be Palm Sunday. So I'm going to read Luke's version, the Gospel of Luke's version of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. So this will be Luke 19, verses 28 through 40. After he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Just say this, The Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They said, The Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus. And after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. May God's blessing be on the hearing and living out of this word. I think I may have mentioned uh, in the past, my daughter and I have been, and her mom, uh, have been visiting different college campuses. as She's a senior in high school this year, and we went to visit Miami of Ohio last Monday. And uh, as we were looking around, we of course stopped by the library as part of the campus tour. And the student who was the guide gave some really interesting information about the library, including it's four stories tall. And according to the student anyway, the expectation is that people will get quieter as they go higher up. So where we were on the first floor, it was supposedly okay to be able to have conversations with someone. Maybe you're working on a group project or something like that. But then second floor, you're supposed to get a little bit quieter. Third floor, a little bit uh, even more quieter. And then at the fourth floor, again, according to the student, if you so much as unzip your backpack in a loud fashion, people will turn around and shush you. Maybe it's because there are so few places for quiet in our society today. And so people maybe on the fourth floor treasure that silence and they'll do anything to make sure that it is so very quiet. Those places are guarded. Maybe you've been on a train before here in Chicago. We, the train that commutes out to the suburbs called the Metra. Sometimes those are, there are quiet cars on those trains and people can be very protective to make sure that everything is very quiet. And so someone may be shh, or someone may say in so many words, we use our indoor voices here, or maybe rather we don't talk at all in this space. Well, there might be a context where you have been asked to either be totally quiet or keep your voice down to use your indoor voice. Maybe someone has said to you in another context, don't speak up, don't rock the boat, stay in your lane. This could happen maybe at work, maybe it's happened at the church or the dinner table. 
if they don't say it in that way, you kind of know there's a, a feeling that you are not supposed to raise your voice. You are not supposed to give your opinion. In other words, this is above your pay grade. Let's just keep everything quiet, keep everything civil, no need for any kind of conversation. This trip to the Miami Library may have been why verses 39 and 40 jumped out at me in the passage today. Again, the passages say this, Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. Jesus answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. So why is the crowd being told to be quiet? Why are the Pharisees or these religious authorities, why are they nervous or anxious? Let's back up a bit. So I noted earlier that this is going to be Palm Sunday. And so uh, in many churches on Palm Sunday, of course, they have palms. And so people will maybe wave them at the very beginning, a popular hymn at Churches sung this time of the year as all glory, laud, and honor to you, Redeemer King, to whom the lips of children made sweet hosannas ring. You are the King of Israel and David's royal son, now in the Lord's name coming, the King and Blessed One. So that hymn will be ringing out and people will be waving their palms. Now, in the passage today, Luke's version does not talk about branches or palms. That's Mark's version. So you'll have to imagine others talking about shouting Hosanna and waving their palms as a way of paying homage or respect to Jesus who's entering into Jerusalem. It's a very joyous, celebrative atmosphere. And we see portions of that in the scripture today, but there are also other undertones here that we may not know about or we may miss. And that's why The authorities are a little nervous. There are all kinds. These days you may hear whenever there is a movie or a TV show or even a movie trailer, people talk about Easter eggs, meaning there are little hidden meanings within the movie or TV show or trailer. And if you look closely, you can see a little piece of hidden meaning in whatever is being watched or viewed. And we see little Easter eggs throughout this scripture passage that we may not be aware of. But let's first talk a little bit uh, about context in what we are reading today to remind ourselves. Now, in this part of the world at this time, it's ruled by the Roman Empire. So the Roman Empire bespeaks strength, power, intimidation. That is the message. These are the symbols. This is what those in authority want to convey. Strength, power, intimidation. On the one hand, maybe to convey these things so that others will be subservient. You don't question, you don't ask, or don't speak out of turn. This is above your pay grade, some of the Roman authorities. Just be quiet and just go along. Also, as part of this context, we need to say, so this is part of the context, but also it was not unusual for there to be what were called entrance processions into a city like Jerusalem. So the scholar, a scholar named R. Alan Culpepper writes this. He says, entrance processions were a familiar ceremony in the first century. Numerous kings and conquering generals had entered Jerusalem over the years. So now imagine a large parade people coming in 
again, emperors, conquerors coming in with the large body of people behind them. And often these processions would have similarities. They would have things in common. Again, there would always be a conqueror or a ruler escorted in by an army or a large band of citizens. This procession would always be accompanied by hymns or acclamations. And then there would be a sacrifice made in the temple. Now, are we seeing some similarities here in what we are reading today? So this is what the people knew. Whenever there was an entrance into Jerusalem, there were all these masses of people, people in power, and that a sacrifice would be made in the temple. So, contrast that with what we read today. Some similarities. Here is somebody also entering into Jerusalem, but he is doing a 180 from what the people expect. Jesus is coming along throughout his ministry, and he's talking about a different kind of kingdom. He's not talking about Roman Empire that resorts to intimidation and violence. He's talking about a different kind of kingdom. If we were to go back through some of the things that Jesus taught about, you may know some of these passages. Jesus, when he's talking about kingdoms, he's comparing them to mustard seeds. He's comparing a kingdom to yeast and little children. He's saying that the kingdom actually is going to be very hard on those who have wealth. This is the total opposite of what people were expecting or the image that people had of what kingdoms were. So now Jesus is the one entering into Jerusalem. So again, contrast what the people are used to and what Jesus is. They are used to emperors and conquerors coming in at the, when I preach this, I'm going to show a picture of thoroughbred. So people are used to conquerors coming in on war horses. Imagine watching something like the Kentucky Derby or the Budweiser Clydesdale, some big, strong horse. And yet Jesus comes in, depending on the translation, on a donkey, a colt. I'm going to show a picture of Eeyore up when I preach this. And the contrast between these two things of what the empire wants to convey and what Jesus is trying to communicate. Now, there are some similarities in that people are acclaiming and singing hymns to Jesus. But then, as as I noted, for uh, conquerors and emperors, there's a sacrifice made in the temple not long after today's passage. Jesus will go into the temple and turn over tables as a way of even further communicating that I have a different message, not the one that you are used to. So then we have Jesus coming in on this colt. And verse 36 says, as Jesus rode along. Now, as many of you know, whenever I read a passage, I also stop and use my imagination. This is a really wonderful way to read scripture. is to stop and imagine yourself in the scene of what's going on. So again, imagine Jesus is coming in in this way, and there are people, perhaps few, we don't know how many, but more than a few people who are at the roadside watching this go. So as he rode along, so as the people watched this, who else was there? We imagine the disciples, followers of Jesus, are viewing this, but were there others? 
We know the religious authorities are there. So if you, say, are a follower of Jesus, and there's a religious authority, someone in religious authority who has been unhappy with Jesus, and maybe looking at you to see what are you going to do when Jesus walks by, it might make you a little nervous. Maybe there are soldiers there. We don't know exactly. I wouldn't be surprised. Roman soldiers, too. And they don't want chaos. They want their power to be known and only their power. They don't want anyone messing this up. So you're standing there. And then verse 36 continues saying, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. Now, I wonder, was this something that people had planned? Did they organize? Did they intend for everybody at the same time to throw their cloaks I like to think, as I use my imagination, I like to think that maybe it was one person, one courageous person started it by throwing their cloak out on the road. And here's where one of those little Easter eggs that I mentioned earlier comes into play. If we turn back into the Older Testament of the Bible in, the, in 2 Kings, there's a passage that shows that people, I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 9.13, it says, Then hurriedly they all took their cloaks and spread them for him on the bare steps. And this was Yehu, a king. So we see the same thing happening here. People are throwing their cloaks. One courageous person throws their cloak out and others follow suit. Someone had to start. Someone maybe felt a little threatened by the religious authorities watching or by a soldier, but someone had the courage to throw their cloak, to be the first one to start things off. And then someone does something else. So the cloaks are being thrown out and then someone shouts a verse. One courageous person shouts a verse from Psalm 118.26. Now Psalm 118.26, Psalm 118, this is a psalm that often was said when when people came into Jerusalem for pilgrimages. And Psalm 118.26 says, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Did you notice in the passage, there's a little bit of a change here. Did you catch that? It says, instead, somebody shouted out, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. That's a pretty audacious statement to make, especially, again, if we're, if we're imagining that people in power are watching. But someone has the courage to shout out, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. People are saying, This is the one that I'm going to follow. Not any Roman, not any other religious authority. Someone had to start throwing their cloak. One person had to begin to shout out that this is a new kind of power. This is a new kind of king. This is a new Lord. It can take a lot of courage to be the person to throw that cloak, to be the one to start to shout out and start singing. It's helpful when someone else does it. But what would it look like for you to be that person, for you to have that courage, for you to speak up, for you to, in a sense, throw out your cloak? This is what makes authorities nervous. It's what made them nervous then and what makes Authorities today, nervous too. Most political people in political power want people just to 
not speak up. Just let them do what they do because they have the power. But that's not what it means to be a follower of Jesus. As we see in our text today, I was reminded this week of a story, a man named uh, Vidran Smelovich, and I hope I'm not mispronouncing his name. You may not have heard him, but you may have heard the story. This happened in the early 1980s. Vedran Smelovich. I read this article. It talks about he was a cellist, and he went into this certain context. He was dressed in his black tails and white shirt, and he sat on a stool, and he began to play with the cello between his legs. But this was not a concert hall. Instead, it was in a crater where the day before, 22 people had died. Smilovich was the principal cellist of the Sarajevo Opera. This is in the early 1980s. War was breaking out all over Yugoslavia, certainly in Sarajevo. It was splintering into different nations, including what would become of Bosnia and Herzegovina. Serb nationalists had surrounded Sarajevo and attacked it. This was daily life for people like Smilovic and others just to find food and water amid the shelling and sniper fire. On May 22nd in 1992, there was a long line of people who had lined up outside one of the still-functioning bakeries, and a mortar shell fell in the middle of the line, killing 22 people. Smilovic lived close to the bakery and was appalled by what he saw, and he went out to help the wounded, but he also felt powerless. He was not a politician. He was not a soldier. He played the cello. But he also knew that maybe he could speak truth to the heart. So what he did then caught the attention of those who lived in Sarajevo, but also caught the attention of people around the world. Smilovich took his cello to the spot where they were waiting for bread and those who had been blown up, and he played. He sat there in the midst of the rubble and he played. And then afterward, he went to a coffee shop. And when he was done, people came up to him and said, thank you. This is what we needed. And so then he decided to go back out. And the next day, he did the same thing in that same spot. All the while, mortars are still raining down in the neighborhood. But Smilovich did not stop playing. He kept playing for 22 straight days as a way to honor those who had been killed. But he didn't stop there. He then went out and played in graveyards. He played at funerals of those who had been killed in the war, even though Serbian gunners would target such gatherings. His music was a gift to those who had gathered, those who were mourning. A reporter asked him once, are you crazy to play your cello outside in the midst of a war zone? And Smailovic said, you ask me, Am I crazy for playing the cello? Why do you not ask if they are not crazy for shelling Sarajevo? People, you know, when we talk about arts, the arts, and we talk about, how oh, this makes me feel good. This makes, it warms my heart to hear uh, someone sing a beautiful song or play a particularly beautiful piece, or we go to the Art Institute, or, and it inspires us. But sometimes art can be subversive, too and gets us to think about things that we just take for granted and instead helps us to see things in a different way and may shine the light on power that's being abused. And I think in some way, this is what Smailovich did. And I think in some ways, it's what happened when Jesus, who 
knew what he was doing coming in on this donkey, entering into Jerusalem, the contrast with how people are used to people coming into Jerusalem and someone having the courage to take the literal coat off their back to throw it out as a way of honoring Jesus, but maybe also a way for them to say, I'm in with this. This is the king that I follow. Somebody else using their voice to cry out, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, for them to say, I do not honor or worship the religious authorities. I do not worship or honor the Roman Empire. I honor this one who comes in in such a different way. This one who talks about the kingdom as a mustard seed, as like coming to a child. This is the King, the Lord, that I will follow. What is something that you can do in your life? What is the cloak that you can throw out? What is the song that you can sing as a way for you to say, I am following Jesus. I'm not following the powers of this world that corrupt, that use violence, that try to pit people against one another. What is the song that you will sing? What is the cloak that you will throw? Will you be that one person? Will you be that one person so that others might follow your lead as you follow the lead of the one who came in on a cult humbly and yet sharing news of power and strength unlike anything we'd ever seen? And I hope that's the message that rings true this Palm Sunday. Amen. Friends, thank you so much for listening. I will be back next Sunday for Easter Sunday. As always, you can reach out to me, Christian at urbanvillagechurch.org. You can go to my website, christiancoon.com. I'm just about ready to post another of my Failing Boldly conversations, so you can hear the latest one there too. And until the next time that we are together, may the peace of Christ be with you. Be thou my wisdom. And thou my truth